Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. Hey. I almost forgot what to say. I know. I know. <laughs> That's why I, I like, I don't know, when you started introing, I was like, oh shit, I can't even remember what I have to do here, but all I have to do is say my name. I was just going to say, I was like, how did I almost forget what to say when yeah. what I have to say is, I'm Haley. I'm Haley. <laughs> <laughs> I am Oscar. <laughs> For the record, the reason why we're so confused is I we haven't recorded since December and today is February, what is today? 10th. 10th. Yeah, it's been a long time. Becky went on vacation. I did. Went she's, to Florida. She's got like a like a sun-kissed glow it's a to her. Bit, I mean, I've got more of the sun-kissed shoulder peelings is what I got right Well, your now. face looks tan. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because Becky can... I like, do tan extremely she well. She very dark. Yeah. It's the Hungarian blood. Yeah. It's, it's pulsing through yeah. those veins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this time actually usually... So Jade and I, if you know, if you've been listening since episode one, Jade did the first... Five four episodes. or five episodes yep. with, with me um and then we just kicked her out she got fired right away no i'm kidding but um she, her and I, <laughs> she, she just couldn't handle it <laughs> i'm kidding we love jade but so we have this like ongoing joke whenever we go to florida that we um like we scream tan because we like we just want to like get the sun so what we do is we'll like lay down and we'll like flex our arms and we'll just like pretend to be staring directly into the sun and be like ah <laughs> and we like because that helps you get a better it, does, it absorbs yeah. it faster and mm-hmm. way harder <laughs> so, yeah that is science it's science it's, it's like the math checks out guys <laughs> so but this time we we were disappointed because we didn't actually end up like doing our hardcore tanning sessions like we usually do right but no that's okay that's okay <laughs> Haley was starting to get a call and then my I mean, phone vibrated gosh. sorry drew <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even apologizing to anyone else because none of you heard it. It's no, just true. It's just true. And it's the thing is, sensitive is ears. He won't even. What he'll do is he he probably won't even listen to this part where we're like, oh, sorry, Drew. He'll only listen to that and then turn around in his chair and be like, what was that? Like pause it. Like <laughs> and like look Becky! at me like, what was that? <laughs> explain okay. explain yourself. <laughs> Son, do not disturb. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone listening? Right? Don't disturb me. Don't. Don't even think about if texting you're me. You're listening right now, and you're somehow also so- traveling back in time. Yeah, you this, know how it is. You know <laughs> that person's really good at orienting themselves in space and time. Maybe they got into my car. Remember how we got into the car earlier today, and it took us back in time to 2004 That's when Sean true. Desmond was famous. Yes, that I was, was like Becky. Sean Desmond's on the that radio. Was wild, because <laughs> I, I feel like I haven't heard him on the radio since like I want to say like grade seven. Yeah, like, like I that's feel like what I, I haven't like, heard him in forever. That's like a different life. That I don't even know that person anymore. <laughs> they don't exist to me. <laughs> the Sean Desmond de- fan is <laughs> She died a long time ago. <laughs> Since then, she's seen some she's shit. She's seen some shit. <laughs> she is weathered. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, uh, but here we are. Oh my god. You know what we have to do? Okay, keep talking. I gotta find this. What we didn't do last time was because we didn't get around to it basically we have a patreon a patron to welcome Ooh. and i'm gonna pull it up okay welcome leah or lee however you pronounce it welcome oh welcome and thank you it's spelled l-e-a-h how do you usually say that lee or leah i would say leah leah okay then i'm wrong both ways but it could be leah 
She has three names now. Leah, Leah, and what What was the other one? Lee. Lee. All of them. Welcome. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Even though we're terrible at pronouncing names, I say we. It's me. It's me. I, it's, yeah. We should just try to pronounce them wrong from now on. You like, do the Starbucks like, thing? Read the, yeah, like I was just going to say, like the Starbucks baristas. Yeah. You read the name and then like whatever is the farthest go. that you think is from the pronunciation, then do that. Okay. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. I'm in. That's what people seem to do with my last name. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would imagine your last name yep. also doesn't get <laughs> pronounced correctly. The, the amount of times like growing up to where people would just resort to saying Costco instead. <laughs> and I was just Stop. like, I had a principal actually. <laughs> if, Becky Costco. If for whatever reason this principal of mine from elementary school happens to ever listen to this, he's going to get like the biggest kick out of it. But I would walk down the hall and he would just like have his arms all chipper and he would be like, Becky shops at Costco. And then just like walk on by and I would be like... Yeah. <laughs> and like at the time it wasn't funny, but now when I look back, hilarious. The joke lands every time in my head. So yeah. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, he, and he was the best principal ever. He was the coolest person. So. Aw. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like I had in my, like my elementary school too, like up until like grade six, I had the same principal from like kindergarten onward. Like, and yeah. he was the best. The best. Ever. And I love yeah. that. Like I love we, that, like having that memory of that time yeah. in my life of like that dude that you were like, oh, that's a just cool like dude. such a great, that's great a cool guy. dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and me, actually, I'm not going to say her name here because of obviously privacy reasons, but we actually ended up going to high school with his daughter. Your principal's daughter? Yes. Oh, okay. You know her. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you after. I actually think I we ended up going to high school with someone related to my elementary school principal <laughs> as well. If not, they definitely had the same last name. But I feel like I remember huh. asking someone, they're like, yeah, it's like his grandson or his nephew or something hmm. like that. So, I like, how we weird. A, well, you we know, a discussion London, London's a was, small place, <laughs> it guys. Is. I don't know why we're always shocked, but then we're like, actually, there's, like, one street. And I'm just kidding. It's pretty big, but also such a small town. This is why we're always so shocked when we do a Bleeding London case, which we are doing. Why we're like, I've never heard of this before. Like, I've never, I didn't, I didn't even know this was happening. Like, because London, even though it's a big city, it, it feels like such a small place. Like, it does. Everybody knows everybody. It has, like, small town vibes, but, like, it's, like, Twice, arguably three to four times bigger than Newmarket. Yeah, we're. I think we're approaching like five hundred thousand people now. Holy cow! We're like All four. Right. Last time I checked, we were like four fifty. Four, mm. no higher than that, like four seventy. Like we're, I think the tenth biggest city in Canada. So Look it's at like us go. we're we're a city. It's just hey, London we're here, guys. Hasn't been able to let go of like the small town. I think that's okay, I and mean, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. It's no, it's cool. Okay. <laughs> All right. It just means that, like, you know, you walk around anywhere and then you just see somebody that That's you true. know. That's why I moved away. Flex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick and tired of running into everybody. I'm it, it was a weird feeling. Like, I don't know if you felt this when you moved to Newmarket. Like, when I moved away, like, when I moved to Barrie or when I moved to Scotland. Like, walking around and being like, there's no chance I'm going to run into anybody that I know here. Yeah. Like, going to a bar, going to the grocery store, like, going anywhere. I was like, I'm not going to know anybody. Yeah. It was, like, such a weird feeling. It is extremely weird. And I'm only now having, like, the luxury of running into people because now within the last, like, two years I started, like, working, like, in Newmarket with, like, more of a presence working at Unwind. Like, I get to see, like, a lot of people and, like, I've created, like, a lot of friendships that way with, like, a lot of local knitters. Yeah. So, like, literally, like, two weeks ago I ran into, like, a customer. She recognized me and she was like, oh, hi. It's me from the yarn shop. And I was like, I know. And I literally was like... (laughs) I've never run into anybody here before. I feel like a local. Like, it just, yeah. like, was a moment where I was like, oh, this hasn't happened to me in eight years. 
Yeah, where it's I've true. Into somebody, like, I, and I personally love yeah. it. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't. It's not like I, I have a lot of enemies or anything. Oh. So it's like, oh no, I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like I, when I run into someone, I'm like, oh god, no. Like usually yeah. when I run into someone, I'm like, oh hi, nice to see you. So oh, like, I'm one of those where I'm like, oh, I wasn't wearing my glasses, even though I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing them. <laughs> You're wearing them. I just, it's like what you said to me earlier. Yeah. You just haven't had your your eyes checked in a while. Your prescriptions it's changed. True. They're just not working as no, well as they used to. They're placebos. It can still be. They're gazebos. <laughs> they're gazebos. <laughs> Can still be an excuse. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. All so right. yeah, guys, we're we're coming back to you with another bleeding London case, which, as we know, is honestly majority of yours favorites. That really? was proper grammar, but <laughs> but honestly, I I don't know how frequently you scroll through, but a lot of our messages are just about how much people love the bleeding London cases. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. Okay. I had no idea. They're like everybody's favorite series. I don't know what I don't know. Actually, yeah. A few of them that do say this are locals, so that, that's probably why. Yeah, I think but. for, and even if you're not from London, a lot of our listeners, not all of them, of course, but we do have like a hub of listeners in the southwestern Ontario area oh, too. Yeah. So a lot of this covers, you know, London and surrounding area, but it's still like you might still have connections to London where like you have a family member that lives here. Or you had a family member yeah. that lived in Elmer or some yeah. somewhere that we're talking about or Thorndale, like exactly. where you've at least been here. And so like you're familiar with the area. So for me, it feels so personal in that way. Yeah. Um, in ways that I've never been able to feel that with like listening to other podcast cases where it's like a small town somewhere in yeah. Idaho. Like it just doesn't have yeah. that same connection for me, even though it's still impactful. So I I hope people feel that. And yeah. if you aren't from the area, then I hope that um you're still finding them interesting yeah. in terms of what what um obviously Vanessa Brown and Michael Arntfield have done and what we're trying to do here, which is like bring light to some of the connections in these cases mm -hmm. it's a series because there are there's a lot of connections, connections. yeah 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 so Actually, if you like that sort of like if you're that person who likes to sort of like yeah piece things together and like solve a Kinda puzzle a like picture. Exactly. there's a lot of stuff in here this, for you this is one of those thousand piece puzzles yeah <laughs> that's what this, <laughs> this is. is like a million piece puzzle where like, it's like all just like a like a white image and you have to just try and figure out which is which and there's no actually color distinguishing on the puzzle <laughs> yeah. you're just doing it blind you're doing it upside down yeah yeah <laughs> but we actually had a listener this week message i think it was like two days ago two or three days ago anyways they messaged telling a funny funny story about how i think they said they lived in Ohio, if I remember correctly, I'm probably wrong. But anyways, um, their spouse was crossing the border to come do some work in London. So they were like, oh, did you hear about all the murders? And like, oh, I did see that message. Yeah. yeah. And like passed along the the like, you know, message they've learned from London. I was like, thanks for putting us on the map in a terrifying way. But yeah, but yeah it was awesome. It's, yeah. And I mean, as obviously, if you've been listening, you know that like a lot of the cases that I'm covering all of them were between, like, the 60s and the 80s. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean we won't get to current, like, London cases, because there's some... There's some current There's ones. some shit There's some on. pretty fucked up shit I've seen recently some, like, messed up in the news this yeah. week alone, and I am shaken. Yeah. We'll get to that. We I will. Wrote it but I wrote this, it down. <laughs> but in terms of uh, this killer slash killers that we're talking about throughout the Bleeding London series, like, probably not a threat anymore, but we still want to know. know who the fuck it is. Oh, we need to know. Yeah. It's we're gonna know. So we're adding another piece to the puzzle today. Let's do it. So um, do it. today we're talking about Helga Beer. Okay. And um, she. So in terms of, I think I've I might have mentioned before. Um, in terms of these cases, 
some it I wanted to do them mostly in chronological order, but some of them aren't going to be exactly in chronological order. Some of them jump around in terms of like well, like the Georgia Jackson case is kind yeah. of a good example where I believe it was 1966, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. but then the confession of David Bodimer was 1970. So it spans like a few years, yeah. whereas things have happened in between that. Right. So um, I'm slotting things in as I go that seem to make the most sense. Um, and they probably do because you're very good at like organizing things in a way that's like logical and makes sense. So thank you. But I think um, you're doing a great job. Yeah, it's hard to do everything in perfect chronological order. So um, Helga Beer is not really a standalone case, but it feels like it in terms of the information that you get. There isn't a lot of information. This isn't going to be a particularly long one, but it is still another piece of the puzzle because there are some things that feel like there could it, this case could be connected to some of the other cases in terms of MO, victimology, yeah. things like that. Um, and definitely connections in the way that this case was handled by the police with some of some of the other ones. And there's some distinct differences in the way this one was handled in terms of some of the other ones. So okay. to get into it, um, we're we're settling in August of 1968. Okay. So this would be before Jackie English. Okay. How much how much before? So Jackie I can't remember. Jackie was October of 1969. Okay. So this would be a little over a year before. Okay. And I believe this would also be before Jacqueline Dunleavy and like Frankie Jensen. So Helga is August. Jacqueline I believe was December or January of this year, the okay. same year. And Frankie was right after Jacqueline. And then we had right. Scott Leishman. So, and I am okay. going to um, like do like sort of a timeline for all of these. Okay. We could also do like a cool infographic mm-hmm. of like. I do want to do a visual as yeah. well. Yeah. And I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had a feeling. Um, because I'm, as I'm going through these cases, just so you guys know, like I'm, I have a separate document that like, I'm just collecting all the details, like this car yeah. make and model and like ah. this place, like a spreadsheet this person, of similarities. Like, yeah. Yeah. This person, it's not a spreadsheet because I don't know how to make a spreadsheet on Excel. I'll help you. Thank That's you. my favorite part. Okay. okay. Like, it's just like a word document right now, but uh, guys, I'm, apparently I'm eventually it's going to be an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> guys, apparently like this is. Yeah. fucking breaking news excited. no one else is as excited about spreadsheets as i am just it's just me i know that um so yeah so it but it's just um each case i pull out the like the details like okay. clothing cars um locations mo things like that mm-hmm. that um eventually we're going to kind of like compile and discuss and all that stuff so then there will be like a map like you said an infographic with like locations of yeah. like abduction sites and um like sites where bodies were found and things like that, important locations and stuff. So again, this is another sort of piece of the puzzle. So August, 1968, Helga had emigrated to Canada from Germany in 1961. Okay. And her family later followed her um, specifically to London, including her mother who uh, at this time in August, 1968 had only been in London and living with Helga for a few months. So it sounds like her family members kind of slowly like trickled over from Germany. And then her mom was like one of the later ones to come, but she had just recently arrived and was living with Helga in London. Um, Helga lived with her mother and her brother in an apartment at 1231 Richmond street. So this is really close to the, the gates of Western university. Right. Okay. 
Um, and she had split from her husband, so I couldn't find any information on when she was married or how long she was married, but it's, in some things I was reading, it said she had, like, recently split from her husband, and some other things it was, like, years, a year prior, like, so I would, if I were to venture an educated guess, I would say, like, within the year before she had split from her husband, because it's sort of, like, it doesn't feel like she had been divorced or split for, like, years. Yeah. It sounds like she got, like, she came in 1961, which is only seven years prior. Yeah. Within that time frame, she got married and then split from her so husband. So then it would have so, to be a short time frame, like, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Okay. So uh, she had split from her husband, and she was working as a wig stylist. In, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yes. Yeah. She was working at the Elizabeth Arden Beauty Salon. Okay. That was within the Simpsons department store. So I, okay. I think this might have been mentioned Definitely in the Jackie English case, but it may be in other cases, too. Um, the Simpsons department store was at Dundas and Richmond. Yeah. It was I in what I believe... Oh, yes. ...which is now the Covent Garden Market yeah. Tower. Like, the the sort of, like... You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Where the McDonald's and stuff is and yes. everything like that. I okay. think that was Simpsons department store. I think you might be right. If not, it was on the other... It was on the north side where, like, the Starbucks was. Like, it could have been on that side. But I'm oh, pretty sure... Starbucks not there now? It's not there anymore. Okay. I know. Okay. I don't know why I just got like emotion. <laughs> why I like I barely went because there. that was like our first Starbucks. That was like yeah, where we'd walk to actually, in high school. That and, actually like, was our first Starbucks. Yeah, I know. That's why that you're like, why do I feel like an emotional? Yeah, I'm like, that, did you just see? That's where we became <laughs> women. <laughs> that's where I became an adult. That's where I had my first half cap, <laughs> half cap, no whip. That's where I had my first like caramel macchiato, extra <laughs> jumbo, like frappuccino, thinking I was an adult, but really I was just having a chocolate shake. <laughs> I was just so. gonna say chocolate and frappuccino, please. And you're yeah. like, I'm drinking coffee. I was like, I'm adult. having coffee. And they're like, that's, no, that's just it's sugar, ma'am. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's ice cream. That's cheesecake. Are you sure? So that's, that's why you had an emotional okay, connection. Yeah. Embarrassing. So I'm pretty sure it was in the, in the tower, the market okay. tower building. What, what, it, seems... what is the market tower building now? Um, but yeah, it was like back then it was kind of like the bay, like it was like the, the, the department, department store, store. Yeah. and it was down this corner downtown Dundas and Richmond was like a shopping district. It was like super popular. Yeah. Now Dundas and Richmond guys, if you're not from London is like sketchy. Like it is. Okay. So I was going to dangerous ask that because <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if like when I lived here eight years ago now, um, it was obviously sketchy and it's been mm -hmm. dangerous for as long as I can remember. And I wasn't sure if like over the last little while, I know they did like a little bit of like rejuvenation to the one road and I wasn't sure yeah. if it had like affected at all um, the danger what <laughs> that sort of, ensued there. What sort of happened is I think they had plans to sort of bring the Dundas and Richmond area back to like its former glamour glory and glory, days. right? Yeah. Where like what the time that I'm talking about now in the 60s where it was like it was a safe district. It was a popular district. Like it was like a, a bustling downtown area. Um, so before COVID hit, that's when they started the work on Dundas Street. And they, they kind yeah. of like did this. Um, they ripped up the road and redid it in a way that sort of like extended out the sidewalks in a very European style kind of like cobblestone. Okay, because that's what I've noticed, and that was never here. When yeah, I was. so like a lot of the restaurants and cafes 
will have like a very European looking where it's like they'll have their patio stuff out where like you're walking through it on the sidewalk. And yes. so it's like the restaurants on your right side and then their patio stuff is their on the extension. left side. It's like an extension almost into the road, even yeah. though the road is still there. There's only but like the road. We're having food. Yeah. And it's <laughs> supposed to be, I think it was also supposed to be something where it's like, and then at certain points they can totally block it off and it's just pedestrians walking and there's no cars. Okay. Like they're, they have those, um, I think they have those things that come up through the ground. Yes. Where you can bring them up when you don't want cars driving through and then you bring I them down I when you do. I think I saw them the last yeah. time I was here downtown and I was like. For like events f- in the summer and stuff <laughs> yeah. and like street markets and all that stuff. So that was their plan. They did it. And then I think their plan was to like get in like new vendors and stuff and like fill in some of those empty spaces on Dundas Street yeah. and then COVID hit. Yeah. So now as I been, recall, it was just like open, empty, store, abandoned. Yeah. Now it's been like such a slow going process because no one wanted to rent a space during COVID because like because, no well, one was going to survive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think they're slowly still trying to build that up, but okay. that's kind of like been the snag in the road. But okay. I think that they're, yeah, they're trying to make it similar to what I'm talking about now, where it was a very sort of like fun spot to be. And it's not like for anyone who's not from London, it's not like if you walk around Dundas and Richmond at like... 1 p.m. in the afternoon in broad daylight you're like in in mortal danger it's more that you just wouldn't want to be there at night yeah on your own you know what i mean yeah like you can still walk around like i lived on king street so like i would i would go for walks to the common garden and i would walk down dundas sometimes and like yeah like there's there's just a lot of like a lot of our homeless population congregates there and stuff like that there's a lot of that you know it's not there's like the but like, I never lower felt level unsafe. crime that happens there not like it's yeah. not like full-blown murders are happening that's open. actually good we putting it like lower level like petty crimes yeah. and stuff like, like probably like th- there's a lot of like in that area there's a lot of like storefronts that'll get like windows smashed and people will steal drug stuff gang related like, stuff like yeah it, not necessarily not a lot of not, like violence really yeah it's just still it's like, more like petty crime you, you might get like pickpocketed maybe like, yeah but again i never personally yeah. felt unsafe during the day it's more i wouldn't i would definitely feel unsafe walking alone there at night yeah that's kind of yeah. like for anyone who's trying to like visualize maybe a place in your own town or city that's similar that's that's kind of what it Where is it's, it's just, definitely yeah. not the worst area of like london that you could danger. catch yourself it's just in. like you avoid it like if you don't need to be there don't be there yeah exactly yeah okay <laughs> so but back then this was the simpsons department store was there um helga worked in the Simpsons department store at the Elizabeth Arden Beauty Salon. Um, And the beauty salon, so she was a wig stylist. So basically, like, in in 1968, but in the 60s, hair pieces were worn a lot to achieve those, like, like high volume Hell hairstyles yeah, like they the bump, were <laughs> like in like the you know what i mean yeah in the 60s and i'm so, gonna bring them back yeah so like they were all the rage so like she was basically she was working in a very in-demand aesthetics position because okay. everyone was wearing these hair pieces at the time everyone wanted to have those hairstyles yeah helga was like somewhat newly single like i had said she was 31 and attractive and hot on the market like, she's out she's looking like very beautiful uh worked in a very ho- high profile spot in the center of town right so there's just like she's just kind of like i'm living my in, best single life like in the spotlight almost in a way yeah. and, and living like, her best life exactly almost like like the whole like it girl thing yes like that whole and because attitude, yeah because of where she worked like think about if you went into like um I don't know, uh, Sephora, and they're yeah. selling makeup, 
all of them are wearing the makeup, right? Like, if you go into, like, the bay and you go to the mat counter, like, all of the people that work at those places, like Carol Baker, like, they all look put together. They all look done up because they work in aesthetics. And they know what they're doing and they're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So Helga was no different. She was always kind of, like, done up and wearing nice clothes. She had to wear the hair pieces that she was selling because and do the hairstyle. the leather jackets at Danny. Exactly. So she had to sort of display that and and in order to sell them. So she always was, like, done up and looked beautiful and, like, looked put together. So she – and she was an attractive woman. So she kind of garnered, like, a lot of attention. Of course. From men especially. Yeah. But I think also just from, like, people, like, seeing her walk down the street to go to her job and being like, wow, she looks – she looks good. Damn, there she goes. Yeah. (laughs) There she – and there she goes. There she goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So she did stand out a little bit. Um, And, again, she worked in, like, a very high-traffic area of town. Right. She had – you know, she was – a working woman, and she lived with her mom and brother. So I don't know exactly what, like, their money situation was like, but it sounds like Helga had, like, extra income in terms of, like, she was working and, like, sharing the apartment and and was, like, had enough money to sort of, like, enjoy herself. Okay. Basically. Um, and she was the kind of person who just wanted to, like, like, get the most out of life. Like, she didn't want to sit around and let yeah. life pass her by. She was social. She had a lot of friends. Um, she spent a lot of evenings out, like, for drinks with them at some of the bars or restaurants that lined, you know, downtown yeah. London, like, on Richmond Street. Like, she was out, and she was sort of, like, putting herself like, out active there. active in the community, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, she was like, I'm 31, I'm young, I'm attractive, yeah. like, I'm single, ready to mingle. Hell kind yeah. Of thing. You know what I mean? Do it. <laughs> yeah, so, it, exactly. Anyone listening would be like, she has the right to do that. Of course she does. I mean, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Who the hell Shouldn't thinks she doesn't? Shouldn't be any negative connotations you tell me right now towards she that. doesn't. I'll kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> so on the evening of August 5th, we're in 1968, um, Helga had finished work and she went to the Jack Tar building, which was the name at the time. It It's on 186 King Street. Okay. Which... Oh, what is it called now? It's called like the King. Um, I don't know. Ugh. King Street something or like the Kingsville okay. buildings or something like that. Where it's, it's just on King Street. I think it's just east of Richmond. Okay. Where like, there's a diner there and everything. Okay. I think it's, I think I I, I think, think it's I, that building. Okay. I feel if like I'm, I'm picturing mistaken. it. I feel like I'm picturing it. Yeah, there's like the King's something King's Inn Diner. Do you know yes. what I'm talking about? Yep. I think it's that building. Uh huh. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, apparently, um, Helga used to live there. Okay. So, after work on the 5th, she had gone there to visit uh, a female friend. There's no name for this female friend. Um, This female friend and Helga reportedly, I guess, like, police found out later or there was, like, people in town that knew. I guess they, there was rumors that they had, like, an on and off sexual relationship. Okay. Get it, girl. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. But remember, this is the 60s. Yeah. So, like, that's pretty scandalous. Yeah. Back then, right now, I'm like, yeah, fucking, like, live your life. Like, do your thing. Men, women, whatever you want to, anyway, anything. But do you. I think it's sort of like mm, rumors reported because they probably tried to keep it somewhat mm. hush hush. Yeah. Maybe they weren't like trying just super blasphem- hard because she was like, out here. <laughs> yeah, because she was like, whatever, like I'm split from my husband and like I don't owe anything to anyone. But no, like, she's exploring and figuring herself out. That's yeah, totally cool. I think it was kind of that in between where it wasn't like completely a secret. Maybe their close friends knew, but they weren't like shouting it out to the world. Yeah. And again, it sounded like it was an on and off relationship. Like it wasn't like they were dating. Yeah. I don't think. They could have just been seeing how things were going with each other. Like, yeah. That's fine. Um, 
A witness saw Helga's female friend leaving that building, the Jack Tar building on 186 King, um, from the back stairs later that night with a suitcase. Oh, okay. You saw the friend leaving. The friend okay. leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. She, this friend left in the middle of the night with a suitcase. She was never heard from again. She never returned to okay. London. Okay. And it sounds like n- n- no one did a, like, no one worked really hard to track her down. So we'll get to that. Okay. Helga was then seen by a witness leaving the building shortly after 1 a.m. with a man described as being about 5'7", late 20s to mid-30s, well-built, with a wide nose, dark hair, and thick eyebrows. Okay. On the morning of August 6th, Helga's blue 1963 Volkswagen Beetle was found just over 500 meters from where she was last seen by that witness, leaving the the Jack Tar building. The car was um, reversed into a parking spot. Okay. At, like, a a parking lot for a service station. I don't know if this was implied to be, like, a mechanic's parking lot or something. It just said service station. Um, That was basically, it said it was, back then it was, there was an extension of Carling Street. Okay. That overlooked the Thames River. Okay. I'm trying to picture where that would be because I'm like... Isn't there a train track there in the way? So Carling Street, do you know where Cousin Vinny's, Cousin, Cousin Vinny's Pizza is? I think so. Where you're... If you're approaching Dundas and Richmond, you're uh-huh. going down Richmond towards Dundas. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Carling yeah. is one street before on the right. Okay. It's okay. right across from that alleyway where you go down to get to Spaghetti Eddie's. <gasps> my favorite place. Yeah, I know. I was like, and you know exactly yeah. where this is. For the so, reference, guys, we go there every year for my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and every year I just, I, I complicate the shit out of my order. But then the waitress always points and she's like. The amazing actually, one. She, the amazing one. Yeah. She's the best. She deals with us every, every year. year. She's like, oh, that's you again. <laughs> I always think I'm complicating it. And then she's like, no, ma'am, look, that's on the menu. Like, you're not actually being complicated and i'm like i want to be complicated today (laughs) and then i'm just like and i have what she's having always every time yeah you always get the same thing i love it um so yeah so when you walk into the alleyway that's carling street okay so that's why i'm like back then they said there was an extension overlooking the thames river when i think about it like carling street it goes to talbot and then i thought i thought maybe it kept going maybe i just don't walk that far I don't know. I don't, I don't know even where know where I am right now. <laughs> we're like talking about our own like city that we grew up in. We're like, I don't know. And there's probably a lot of people that, that are just like, well, I don't care. I don't live in London. But here it we are. It basically like, what sounds the fuck? like her car was parked in a parking lot. Okay. Sort of at the end of Carling Street. As far as okay. you could go to like before you hit the Thames before River. it's too late. It's yeah. there. Which is only 500 meters, which isn't very far from King Street. Like basically King and yeah. Richmond is where she was. Okay. So yeah. that's very, very close. It's like basically... One block, two blocks up and, like, two blocks down. Okay. So her car was found in this lot. It was found reversed into a parking lot, uh, parking spot. Um, And in the morning, 76-year-old Edward Anderson, who was a parking attendant, saw the car parked in the lot. It looked like it had been left there overnight. Like, I'm assuming that it was one of the only cars there, if not the only car there. So he decided to walk over and, like, look inside and see what's up. So he was looking at what he thought was a mannequin never, in, the, it's never. in the backseat. I know never. I read that and I was like, it's never a mannequin. It's never a mannequin. Nobody's driving around with a mannequin in the backseat. No, and if they are, 
that's weird. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. There's never a mannequin in the it's river. Never. Like it's, it's never, never a mannequin. mannequin. I know. I, I actually, I, I really want to hear someone one day be like, oh, I thought it was a dead body. Turned out it was a mannequin. I know. I wouldn't the opposite somebody... be yeah. nice to hear? Yes. I want, whoever you are, if you're listening and you know a story of that, tell me. I yeah. want to hear it. I need Please. to hear it for a comic That would relief. happen to us though. We would see a mannequin like, like lying through. We'd be like dead body. Dead and body then... for sure. And then we'd go up and we'd be like, what the fuck? This is a this is a mannequin. <laughs> like, where did this come from? <laughs> okay. Um, so yep. he thought, he thought it was a mannequin. Um, but then he, so he opened the driver's side door because it was, it was unlocked to get a better look. And then he realized that he was looking at the body of 31 year old Helga Beer. Jesus Christ. Okay. She had been pushed between the front and the back seats of the car. So kind of like yeah, just put put into the back seat, but but she was sort of pushed down and lying on her back facing up. Okay. Um, she was wearing only a sleeveless green blouse and her bra. Oh god, okay. The rest of her clothes were sort of like strewn about the car, like in over the front seat and stuff and the okay. dash. The windows were rolled up tightly, which was um apparently unusual considering how hot yeah. It is here in August, even overnight. Yes. And I think back then in the 60s, like... It was normal to leave it, it like normal an inch. It was just normal to, like, leave it cracked. Like, now yeah. we wouldn't do that because we'd be, like, inviting someone to steal our car. But yeah. back then... I, I do even remember a period of time where, like, when we were younger, we would do that with our car where if yeah. it was, like, a crazy hot... Like, that one week where there was, like, a week-long blackout, we were rolling down the windows and leaving yeah. it an inch open. Like It's I, true. No, it's true. Like, I, I actually remember <laughs> that as a kid, too, whereas, I mean, even... It would be weird now to think about leaving my window even a crack yeah. open but but in the 60s no everybody would have done it especially in august probably would have just left the whole window down Honestly, i mean just open those fuckers you just right like up. doors open everything <laughs> keys just sitting All on the seat it. like yeah, yeah. You, you just no one's oh, gonna take yeah. it just leave it running <laughs> just leave it running um yeah so yeah her, the windows were rolled up tightly mm-hmm. and he, he obviously called the police so police came they investigated um they surveyed like local bars in the area, talked to Helga's coworkers, people she knew. Um, they discovered that Helga had been seen out with two people that night, the night of August 5th, a man and a woman, possibly the man she was seen with later that night around 1 a.m. Okay. And I think other people were assuming like the woman was her female friend. There didn't seem to be enough like information or witness testimony or like details given about the way the two people looked to corroborate that like it definitely was her friend but she was seen with a man and a woman and then later a witness saw her walking with a man after 1 a.m okay and another witness saw her friend leaving with the, the building the, the back stairs with a suitcase so i think it's safe to assume like it was the two people like her friend and then this man that she was seen with later, but yeah. we can't see for sure. A pretty generic composite sketch was created, but the case didn't really progress beyond this. Oh. The autopsy confirmed that Helga was beaten by a large fist and then strangled to death oh before being stuffed into her car. Oh, that is awful. It's, yeah, it's insanely violent. Wow. Um, it was speculated that she was killed elsewhere and then put in the car because there was no blood in the car. Okay. So I think that's safe to assume. She was um, then placed into her car and then driven to the service station, which appeared to be like a randomly picked location. It didn't have any sort of meaning for Helga. The car was reversed into the parking spot. And the reason that like they they feel so certain 
that she wasn't like that she didn't drive there herself and then was like murdered outside the car and then put in was that um all of her friends and family said she never reversed into a parking spot that's and you know what it's funny like because some people might be like that's not an important detail that is 100 an important detail yeah no they said she never ever ever did that and the parking spot that it was parked in it wasn't necessary to reverse into it you could have just pulled in front words so the fact that it was reversed into seems like some sort of weird like detail or like some sort of weird action for something even if it's just like a behavioral thing of the person that did this it's good to note because for example i have a family member that only ever ever reverses into parking spots she will never pull in forward never i've actually seen her we we joke we call it a back through you know what how we call it a pull through she's literally backed through spaces before but why then your car's backwards for just for comic relief because we joke about how often she just backs through like, backs into spots uh, instead of just, like, parking. so funny. She's very... It's, so then if anyone, if you ever saw her car parked frontwards, you'd be like, that, that was she wasn't through. driving her car? Yeah. Or that was a back through. That's true, actually. Yeah. Maybe. But if it was, like, a spot where you couldn't pull through at all, it's just a parking spot. With yeah. Like a, She's backing a in. A barrier. She's always backing in. I know. But in terms of this case, if, yeah. if someone pulled in exactly. forward, you'd be like, someone stole her car. And that's, that's how I know. That's not... She wasn't yeah, driving that car. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so yeah, it does actually <laughs> help to, like signify that helga did not drive her car no to this parking lot no. we know that for sure um yeah so they so the police assumed it was likely driven by the killer hmm. there was evidence that helga had engaged in sexual intercourse before the murder as there was semen found inside of her but okay. it was unclear whether this was consensual or not okay um i think I don't know. It, it wasn't very explicit in, like, reading either the Forest City Killer or Murder City. I think there was some sort of, like, subtle implication that because the police saw Helga as, like, basically a slut. Yeah. Like, that, she was that is what happens separated a lot from of her cases. husband. And then she was running around with, like, all these different people and stuff. Yep. Some of them women. So they probably looked at her like... They just conjured you're, up an right, you're Yeah, you're, you're living, like, a sort of like loose moral yeah. life and overly so, carefree and it's like it's not though she's just living yeah. so even if the evidence wasn't clear to just dis- to discern whether this was consensual sex or not i think it's safe to say they probably were leaning towards it being consensual because if they, they don't have evidence they, otherwise they, they probably really. just thought like well yeah of course she had sex before like of course she had sex with this yeah. person like they couldn't have been it couldn't have been, uh, couldn't have been because... non-consensual because she would have had sex with anybody. Like, yeah, that kind of exactly. mentality, you know what yeah. I mean? Just yeah. because of the way that this case was sort of brushed to the side. Like, and how women who, like, appear confident and beautiful and everything like that sometimes do get, like, cast as, like, oh, the town slut just because they, like, look put together and are experiencing things with other yeah. people like it's just and i think especially at this time in the 60s there was probably a lot of people that were like well shame you know like yep. that's that's the risk of like a sort of like the lifestyle that you're living right like when you're yeah but yeah so yeah. Uh, that's yeah. kind of the vibe that i get from the way the police handled this case but okay. again there isn't a lot of, it's not like there's like public remarks or anything like that but um so move so moving on based on the evidence helga had either redressed herself um, but after she was murdered and like put into the car and driven to the service station, the killer removed her shoes, green shorts and panties, which had semen on them, on her panties and tossed them into the front seat of the car. Um, or 
I don't know. I I feel like it was in it was saying that it was pretty definitive that like she redressed herself, but then she was murdered and then he put her in the car and then took her clothes off. There was no theory where even if they did have consensual sex, there was no theory where like she was killed before she got dressed. Okay. The killer then put clothes back on her, then drove her to the thing and then removed them. Okay. But I feel I like see. that's also possible. It yeah. Yeah, you know what? Like it is, especially if yeah, no, I'm thinking of something that's way further, and there's no like. Like they're thinking of this, that but... she redressed herself before she was murdered. I'm assuming because there's blood on the clothes. Okay, it didn't really say. It just seemed definitive that they were like she was dressed before. Um, she got she was murdered. Yeah. Okay. Because what I was jumping to, because like. If the clothes were removed, then after, like, this could be a scenario of, like, necrophilia. Like, is that a thing? Like, is that... Something, yeah. Any, the, like, if there's no evidence that, like, says that, then sure. Or this is just, like, a case of somebody, like, wanting to further humiliate and shame their victim by yeah. taking off their clothing after. Well, yeah. I think that's definitely a sign of, like, humiliation. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't figure out why they were so sure that she had been fully redressed and yeah. then undressed again. Yeah. That's why I'm saying I'm assuming maybe there was blood on the clothes, but it didn't say that. Okay. Um, like, because in my head, I'm they like, she could have been reason, killed yeah. well naked. And then he just put her bra and shirt back on and then put her in the car. There seemed to be some sort of, like, feeling that she yeah. definitely had her panties and shorts back on. Okay. And maybe that's because of the semen on the panties, but, like, oh, yeah. there's still other ways that that, 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 that could happen. So, either way, she was found, like, half-dressed. Okay. And that definitely, we know, based on, you know, uh, like, studies in criminology and stuff, definitely does signify that the killer wanted to humiliate her. Yes. Like, wanted her we to be that, in a position yeah. of humiliation, especially, like, lying on her back, facing up, like... Uh, everything's showing. Her, yeah, everything's showing, yeah. right? So... Yeah. We know what that means either way. Yeah. There uh, didn't seem, like I said, there didn't seem to be, like, a lot of effort put into solving her murder or, like, a lot of attention even from the public. So so freaking sad. Yeah. So later on, um, on, like, the day when Helga was found, which would be the August 6th, the London Free Press published her story um, on the front page. But the photograph posted was a picture of somebody else. Oh. Like, that's what I mean. Like, there wasn't a lot of care taken That's, when well, covering like, her story. Like, at least post her fucking picture. Like, and also, like, how traumatizing. Like, they had mixed up the pictures from, like, a different story. So there was a story. So whoever this woman that was posted, like, on the front page saying, like, oh murdered yeah. was from a different story. So... Who's alive, I'm assuming? Who's alive, yes. Like, that I was just, like, like... Yo, guys, I'm alive. I'm right here. That's, yeah, and so, like, how just... Not only embarrassing for the paper, but, like, traumatizing for, like... That's a big... What if you knew that girl, and then you read that, and you're like, she's dead? And I'm crying all day thinking so-and-so's dead. Yeah, like, and... I'm sure there was at least a few. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it was pretty quickly, obviously. That's also... Yeah. Caught. I, I'd hope so. <laughs> like... Yeah, oh, but it's just... that's pretty callous, though. Jeez. It's, yeah, it's just like, careless, for sure. I think, um... Yeah, she, they just, they mixed up the photographs. So I don't know if maybe Helga's photograph was printed somewhere else in the paper, like, matching the other story. But it says that on the 7th, so the next day, a correction was published. Um, there were a couple more small follow-ups that came after in the London Free Press. And that was kind of about it on the reporting side of things. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, unfortunately, a lot of forethought in the storage of the biological samples from the case, of like course. the semen. yeah. Um, so there isn't any way of testing it now. 
It's oh that freaking sucks because like that yeah. that could just nail somebody's ass. To the I know, wall. I know. Or it could be connected to like another case where we have samples, right? But yeah. um, Fuck. yeah, it was either lost or it was contaminated. There is no and and again, this is why I'm. I think it's pretty. Mm, there's feelings that they were just not really caring that much about this case because they didn't even do like a blood grouping, um, which is where like you can take the semen sample and you can figure out what kind of, what uh, like blood type someone is or if they're a secretor or not. They had that technology at the time. Um, They had done it in other cases. They had done it in things like, um, I believe they did it in the Lynn Harper case, which was in the 50s. I remember us talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they they had definitely been able to do that at that point. They didn't even do that. That's so we don't even have like the blood type of the person. That makes me so angry. Like, yeah, it's just and that's what I mean. Where it's like that if that technology was available and you didn't do it, that just means that you weren't really like you didn't care about this case. It, yeah. it didn't matter to no, you. It was just a... when now we know it could be it could possibly be connected to other cases. It's extremely important. Mm-hmm. That information would have been really helpful. And she's helpful. just owed, like, the justice of figuring it out. Like, Absolutely. As yeah. Every single person. Like, there's just so... Yeah, that's is so... Is that. Ugh, like... Yeah. I mean, I'm not a cop or anything like that, but I can't imagine it's, like, you just... If you know you're dealing with evidence, do all of the steps necessary to make sure that evidence is protected and stored properly. Like... Mm-hmm. That's I've never understood that when they're like whoops and it's like really like yeah. an oops is that what we're gonna listen to right now and shortly after in the Jacqueline Dunleavy case all of these things that we're talking about were done um, and the differences here are pretty obvious mm-hmm. we have a 16 year old quote unquote innocent daughter of a London police officer mm-hmm. in Jacqueline. And on the other side, we have a 31-year-old, possibly bisexual, but definitely very sexually active divorcee in Helga, mm-hmm. which, again, in the 60s is like, you're you're a tramp. Yeah. Like, you're – whether you're bisexual and, or and not, there have been also you're scandalous, some, like, you're asking for it, you're living a risky lifestyle, so you have to accept that there's danger in that and that, like, something like this was bound to happen. So, like, yeah. on some level, people believed that she deserved it and that Jacqueline didn't. Exactly. Neither of them did. No, never. And it could have also been, like, an extra layer of, like, discrimination with her being, like, an immigrant, too, to London. Like, that could have been seen as, like, well, we don't need to search this as much because she's not our problem or something. Like, I could see the attitude oh, being bad. absolutely. That could have played a factor, too. I mean, like, she was a German immigrant. Yeah. I mean, this is the 60s. This and, is like, the time. Exactly. During the Cold War, like, we're, we're t- over 20 years post-World yeah. War too but like there i was just gonna say there are still stories that i've heard like just recently about like family members that work in an office where one of their colleagues is german and there's some super old dude who came in who like fought in the war or whose brother fought in the war or whatever like and will not speak to that person with a german accent like it still happens yeah um so in 68 like you're right it definitely could have been um a source of discrimination Mm -hmm. too well, yeah. Which is, again, just makes it all that much it's more sad. Up, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, there aren't even really, like, very many records still left from the case. Um, what makes this odd, though, is that Helga not being a woman may be seen as respectable or worth, like, the police's time in their eyes. There were people even back then making connections between her murder and Jacqueline Dunleavy's. There were people? Yes. Okay. Um, Especially in terms of, like, the scattering of their clothing. That's what I was thinking. That's one of the ones. And the post-mortem posing. Yeah. 
indicating it feels like the facing up because Jacqueline mm-hmm. was like faced up and like positioned like, very specifically yeah like lying on her back kind of like arms and legs out like not not like sprawled like the like, not like Vitruvian of, man like, but, but like that's the yeah thing I was but like of. but out like yeah. it was posed yeah it was very posed and so was Helga for sure which um we now know indicates like necro sadistic humiliation but mm-hmm. like humiliation in general yeah of the corpse so it's a signature for whoever did it like it, it it's yeah 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 so there people who were paying attention or people who worked in law enforcement that were trying to find connections and stuff, someone like Dennis Alsop, who wasn't working this case, but he definitely it was on his radar oh, because of, of these similarities. Yes. Right. So I'm surprised he wasn't like, I'm on the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am shocked. <laughs> and I think it's because like so he lived in London, but he was OPP. Right. So, so this was a London police case yeah. and not an OPP case. But he, again, never turned a blind eye to a case that oh. happened in London that might have connections to his or that just seemed, especially it seems like if it seemed like it wasn't being given the attention it deserved. Yeah. Where he was that person, I think that would like take that on and be like keeping, keeping an eye be, on things or like yeah. if I can solve this case and, and make a connection to that one, then I can also solve that boom, case. Boom, you know boom. what I mean? And got so, like a domino effect after. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I guess that's the that's the thing. Other than Dennis Alsop, right? Like there were some people making these connections, but it still didn't seem like enough to make Helga's case seem worthy of any more attention than it was given. Right. Unfortunately. In in terms of the various men that Helga apparently knew and spent time with, very few of them showed up to her funeral. Oh. Police tried to organize an inter- interview with a man who was reportedly involved with Helga. Um, and he ended up booking himself a one-way flight to Denmark. Oh, and and left. So that's that might be somebody we we talk to. <laughs> and the police like, never tried to like stop him or track him down beyond that. They just like set up an interview and then he fled. And they were like, oh, okay. Nothing suspicious to see here, folks. <laughs> like they straight up, it seemed to be implied that they straight up thought like, oh, well, like that might imply guilt. But he's in Denmark now, so he's not our problem. He's Denmark's problem now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Huh. But they were like, oh, okay. So that, like, maybe we did find the guy and now we know for sure he's not here anymore. He's probably never coming back. That is, like, that's absurd. Like, oh, don't I know <laughs> it? Like, this is just. Her, her friend, her friend that just left in the middle of the night with a suitcase and never came out. You never tried to track her down? You n- she's for sure not in Denmark. No, she's, yeah. But there's no interview done with her, no records of her. Like, I don't, we don't even have a name. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. I don't like this one. I know. I, I, I don't. Like I know. It. I know. I know. I know. It's... I don't like any of them. We're switching the podcast. We're doing comedy only. <laughs> We're done. We're doing happy times with Haley and Becky. Yeah, happy times all the time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. In this was mentioned in the Forest City Killer, and I guess I just thought it was interesting. I think it speaks a lot to which cases were kind of like being taken more, like being made a more of a priority, and mm-hmm. what was being seen more as like important in the public's eye as well. So in October 1969, after the body of Jackie English was discovered, a reward was offered by London City Council for information leading to an arrest in the murder of Jackie English. It began as $10,000. By November, it had grown to $50,000. Oh my. Which is about $300,000 today. It's a big reward. Whoa. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Okay. Uh, Councillor Fred Gosnell proposed that this money be reward not just for 
um, solving the murder of Jackie, but also for information on any of the murders in the city over the past few years. This is a, a quote directly from him. He says, we have had too many killings in this area. This is no way to be considered against the work of our policemen, but some people will talk for enough money, end quote. Um, which is okay. true. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just saying that, like, I mean, it's he's not blaming the police, obviously. He's a counselor, so, like, wouldn't be a good look for him. He's yeah. saying, like, we're not blaming the police, but, like, we just think that if we, like, give a big enough incentive. reward, then maybe that will be incentive enough for people to talk yeah. that haven't wanted to before now. Yeah. The $50,000 would be given to anyone who gave information leading to an arrest for the murders of Jackie English, Jacqueline Dunleavy, and Frankie Jensen. And Helga wasn't included in that? There was no mention of Helga Beer. Okay. Um, there was also no mention of Margaret Sheeler okay. or Victoria Mayo, which was still unsolved at the time. Okay. If you remember, Margaret Sheeler was the pregnant woman yes. who went out into the storm and then she was found in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And then Victoria Mayo, we found out later in the yeah. early 70s that Sander Fulip um, killed her. He confessed to it yes. and then they didn't believe him and then... Later, it was tested through DNA, and it was him. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. But at the time, Victoria Mayo still... was still unsolved. Okay. Um, the reward was never collected for any of them, hmm. but I think but it did just tips come in. Do like I'm sure. Is... Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm okay. sure they did, especially with like Jacqueline Dunleavy and Jackie English. I think there was a lot of there was a lot of people calling stuff in, and it was one of those things where I think we talked about it in the Jackie English case, maybe where it was like. People were trying to be helpful, but the police have to follow up on every tip. Yes. So, like, it was it just taking up a lot of time yeah. with Jacqueline Dunleavy, too, I think, because, like, they were full force with her. I mean, she was a cop's daughter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just clear that these three people that the reward covered were children. So... I guess that's seen yeah. as more of a high priority or scarier to the public that, like, which children are being murdered. I do, under like, I do, I do understand. I do I, I just think everybody deserves resolution. Absolutely. Obviously, and but we know that. Helga like, Beer, Margaret Sheeler, and Victoria Mayo were young women. So to me, it's like the difference of like, okay, you were 16 and you were yeah. 25 or 30. So you're not as important and we're no. not offering reward for solving uh, your murder. It's so like icky. Yeah. If you were seven years younger, yeah. then maybe. Yeah. That's just what it feels like. It, it and is, again, and I'm I not agree. saying that like children aren't important. Of course. No, it's just that course. like the lives yeah. of like violence against children and women in general are should like should be stopped you know yes. violence against anyone but mo all of these victims that we talk about the, the bleeding lending cases yeah. all of them are going to be women and or children yeah i think the oldest boy is scott leishman who was 16 right um which is still a child yes so it's just like yeah at this time it was women and children that were being targeted um and and they're just yeah We'll, we'll keep talking about it, but there wasn't, like, a lot. There just wasn't a lot done. It doesn't sound like it. <sighs> yeah. It kind of sounds like like the absolute bare minimum paperwork was done just to kind of open and shut and file mm -hmm. it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we'll get more into, like, Dennis Alsop's role in, of course, like, the grander scheme of things. But mm -hmm. he had, yeah, there were times where, like, he did plead for more help and um, more resources well, and he's out here doing the real freaking work yeah because like, he's like doing the work of a hundred men he's our he's just lord like, and savior if i could just get one more of me like yeah, you know like, that would yeah, help i just need one more <laughs> that's really that's really all he needed was just like 
a singular clone and he'd probably be fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, honestly, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It just it I think that's what ir- irks me the most when I do these cases is that like when I read in in Forest City Killer and and Murder City because there is so much in there about Dennis Alsop and I will as the cases go on continue to mention him. He just wasn't like I said as involved in this case. Um that it just feels so painful because if he if he was able to duplicate himself or he was able to devote all of his time and, get and all the resources into these necessary. cases, he would have solved them. Oh, for sure. He, he would I have. I don't have a shadow he of a just, doubt in my mind. He was just doing these on the side of like his, like the Actual rest job. of his job. Yeah. You know, some of them were part of his job, some of them weren't. But like, yeah. even, yeah, even after he gets moved up to Toronto and stuff, like he still kept notes. He still tr- went and did interviews yeah. and stuff. Like he was doing all of this outside of like his regular like he duties. Did the damn thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's like to know that someone had that much drive and that much natural instinct and in, and intelligence in in like the way he was looking at things. Absolutely, he would have been the person to solve this. He just was not in a position to devote one hundred percent of his time like to resources it. Resources just weren't there. He had to a family have to, to take care side, of. You yeah. know. So. I think, um, and I think that's why people like Michael Arntfield and Vanessa Brown are sort of like taking up that torch and continuing that that, that legacy because yeah. there is enough evidence here. There is. In in the collection of all these cases, there yeah. is absolutely enough. Like we said, we've already, we're getting to like the connections. They're already connected. Many of them are very connected. So in my opinion, there's enough to, yeah, to solve like most, if not all of them. Yeah. I agree. We're to figure out who did this, whether it's like one person like or multiple people. Like, but, but yeah, like if if they were to be solved, like there would be uncovering of one or multiple serial killers that operated that around the same time. Definitely didn't stop at London. Like no. there's more out there. And that's the thing is like with with that. I don't know when when serial killers exist. Like they're they're known that if the second they're threatened at all, they'll relocate. They'll just move. Yeah. They'll just move. Yeah. And that's the easiest way for them to start over and repeat the cycle, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder I wonder where else all of these similar cases started taking place just shortly after. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder how far this person went or with these people, plurals. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the thing is that during this time, London was this sort of weird hub for like, like I explained in the first Bleeding London case about... We had this intersection of, like, the 400 series highways. We yeah. had just sort of, like, the right demographic and yeah. the right size and all the, like, all the sort of factors that led to, like, this being this weird hub for, like, criminal activity and serial offending. Yeah. Um, so all of it happening here kind of around the same time or at the same time is what makes this so extraordinary. Um, but once a lot of these people moved on... They would be one could have gone to Windsor, one could have gone to Toronto and blended right. in there. One could have gone up to Owen Sound. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Where it's like it's We're close enough to the border too. They could have crossed the border. Like it could have gone down to the States, exactly. And then yeah. you just blend in with blend in with the crowd. I think that's what most draws our attention to this period of time in London is that it was all going on at the same time, which means like the caliber of what was happening was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. And if it if it does, if Vanessa Brown ends up like being right about the Forest City Killer and that, like, almost all of these were one person, that's absolutely fucking insane that we don't know who it is. Yeah. That we haven't caught this person yet. Yeah. Like, there should be a task force right now devoted to it if we find out definitively that it is one person. How do we make this happen? Do we start a GoFundMe? Is that what we do? Like, what do we do? (laughs) What do we do? (laughs) 
Because we'll do it. <laughs> we'll freaking do it. Yeah, donate, guys. Don't. <laughs> donate. Uh, we don't know what to do with the money, though. No, I don't know. I'll just start. I'll, I'll ask Vanessa Brown. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're going to corner her and be like, sit down. We're interviewing you. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's the next uh, sort of chapter of the Bleeding London series. And we, like I said, there's more to come. There's I, you know more what? to come. I'm always like, oh, I'm so excited to hear a new a new Bleeding London case. And then, like, as soon as we get into it, I fucking hate it. I know. I, know. I hate it, Haley. I know. <laughs> I hate this. You know? I know. I it's... just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to. Each uh, one feels just, like, more upsetting than the next. Yeah. I, I feel like I get further and further away from hope with each one. You know, because like each one feels a little bit more like, well, you know, we had all of this stuff and we still couldn't solve it. And then we have one like this where there's nothing. And I guess, again, nothing's been solved. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm pissed. I know. Let's leave it on that note. Becky's pissed again. <laughs> <laughs> what else is We always end up just like angry. <laughs> and I'm just mad. <laughs> but so on that note, make us happy so we don't have to be pissed anymore. And uh, sign up to be super cool. Join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com. Or you can DM us, which we love that happening that's true we do or you can comment on our posts only nice things don't forget that on instagram <laughs> at how to not get killed <laughs> and you can follow us on twitter at h2ngk or you can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com thanks for listening yeah we love you guys and keep it sleazy we love you peace out bye